All right. So glad that you could join us tonight. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, start a watch party if you haven't done that. Share the sermon tonight. Um, let's just, uh, let me, let me pray again over my sermon. Father God, I just thank you for this word that you have given us, Lord. I pray for our hearts and our minds, God. I pray for our husbands and our wives and our children, Lord, that they would hear this word that, um, that you're bringing forth tonight, Father. Lord, let me, uh, speak it in a way that people receive it, God. Lord, um, challenge us, change us, correct us, Lord. Um, encourage us by your word tonight, Father. Let us have good soil in the name of Jesus Christ, our mighty Lord and Savior. We just give you praises and glory and honor. Amen. Okay, so welcome, guys. We are continuing in the book of Colossians. And tonight, I'm going to finish up Colossians chapter 3. If you missed last week, Pastor Moogie preached um, the previous verses and um, go back and you can catch up with us where we're at. And so I'm going to finish this. And so Paul is telling the Colossian church here and starting in verse 18, he says, wives submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This is going to be a fun sermon tonight. So hang in with me. Okay. Husbands love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children obey your parents in all things for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So what we have here then is Paul's instructions to the Christian churches, okay? To the Christian households. Um, you know, so these things are still in effect for today. Um, I'm going to explain these. I'm going to go through these kind of a line by line like I do in Bible study. So if you've been with me in Bible study, this is more of a teaching than a preaching moment, okay? So stick with me in this. The first part, he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Paul reiterates this in uh, Ephesians 5.22. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So the apostle proceeds with these duties, which relates uh, related to them as church members, one towards another, for the church's mutual good and edification and the glory of God. Okay, there's a twofold purpose here. To such as concern them in their houses and their families, as in a natural relation to each other, right? And we hear, we see here as husbands and wives, parents and children, masters and servants, showing that here the gospel of Christ establishes the duties of common and civil life, contrary to popular belief. That God actually has orchestrated and designed a way for us to be in our families. Isn't that interesting? Yes. All things we found in the word of God. So the first thing Paul starts out with, he says, wives submit to your husbands as it is fit in the Lord. 
So then the subjection of wives to their own husbands is fit and proper by its own nature. Why? Because the reason of the original creation of man and the woman from God. And if you go back to Genesis, remember, man was made first and then the woman was made. The woman was made from man, from one of his ribs, not to be trampled under his feet, but to be by his side, to be a helpmate for him, right? The woman is not the head, not to rule over him. The woman was made for the man, not the man for the woman. Add to this that the woman then was in the transgression and the means of the fall of man. That does not neglect what Adam did, but it says the woman was first deceived. Okay. And so the obligation then to subjection of a wife to the to the, her husband is a stronger, um, it, it is um, a stronger thing uh, according to God's design, okay? And so it is also a decent and becoming thing for wives to be subject to their husbands. Um, it is a way and means of which the woman gives honor to the man. So we see this from the time of creation in Genesis that this has always been God's design, Okay. There are three governments that are biblical on this earth. We have civil government, we have church government, and we have family government. So in every family then, there is a head, okay? This is the someone, this is the counselor of the home. This is the leader of the home. This is the head of the home. And then someone to whom all should be subordinate to. And God has given that place and that prerogative to the man. And I'm telling you, listen to me, all of you men and women, women especially, that no family will prosper where that arrangement is violated. Amen. I'm just going to amen myself. Okay. So, you know, uh, uh, and let me tell you something. So the gospel on the one hand recognizes and secures woman's perfect spiritual equality with man. Okay. So, um, the, the gospel recognizes that in spiritual giftings in anointings in salvations and our work for him, we are equal with man, but in the household, there is an order to things. There is a place for things, okay? And so the gospel recognizes the equality with man in these spiritual things, but it also secures man's responsibility in leadership. This has always been, ladies, okay? So in the house, we are subject to our husbands as unto the Lord. So God sees our submission to our husbands as an obedience to Christ. So I tell, you know, I, I tell all the women this a lot, that if you are not submitted to your husband, you are not submitted to the Lord. That's how it works. So submission then is yielding to my husband's authority in love. I have some Proverbs for you. Proverbs 14, 1 says the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish plucks it down with her hands. So the foolish woman then will go outside of God's design. And because she goes outside of God's design, it makes her foolish and she is plucking down her house. 
Proverbs 21.9, better to dwell in a corner of a house step than in a house shared with a contentious woman. A woman. I could name some names on this one, but I won't. Look up the word contentious. Proverbs 12.4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is as rottenness in his bones. Okay, there is a place for the woman. Now, people ask me all the time, what does submission look like? Okay, and when I say mostly what submission looks like, it means that you obey when you don't want to. Because if you obeyed when you wanted to, that's just doing what you want to do. But when you obey when you don't want to, that's when you are submitting to your husband's authority. Um, You know, I had preached... Um, several years ago, some of you ladies might remember this, and I talked about wanting red hair, because I've always liked red hair. Don't ask me why, I just like red hair, okay? I wanted red hair. So, I didn't go all the way red, I just went and got some nice big red streaks in my hair, right? And I came back home, and my husband was like, what did you do to your hair? Because he doesn't like red hair, And he didn't want me to have red hair. So I went back and I said, can you take some of the red out? My husband doesn't like it. Okay. So I shared that with the women because, you know, in my submission to him, it's in love. If if he doesn't like it, then I'm going to change it. And I had a woman afterwards that came up to me and she said, you know, I would never do that. She said, I, if I like my hair, I'm going to do whatever I want with it. And he can just, you know, just whatever. He, he just has to be okay with it. And I said, well, maybe that's why you've been married twice and you're headed towards a third. And she just kind of looked at me. <laughs> Ladies, submission is kind. Submission is meek. It doesn't fight back or bite back. And it is never disrespectful. Okay. Submission is never disrespectful. Think about how are you talking to your spouse? How do you respond to him? Is it in harsh words? It's I'm going to get to the men and the women and I'm going to get to the men and the women. Cause all you women are like, what about him? What about him? I'm going to get to them. But what about you? What are you doing? Cause this is for you right now. And submission is never disrespectful. And I'm going to share a story with you, and I I like to share my failures so you know what not to do, okay? So uh, years ago, when we were still in the warehouse, and um, our Wednesday nights, our Wednesday night um, uh, preaching was, back then, was a Bible study. And so we'd have, uh, typically on Wednesday night, we'd have about five people that would show up, and we would sit in a circle, and we'd have a Bible study. Now, back then, my husband worked probably 70 hours a week outside of the church. He was exhausted all the time. And if you guys know me, I love to read and study God's word. And so at this point, I probably had a little more understanding in certain scriptures than my husband because I was in the word of God all the time and I was studying the word of God all the time. And so we were in Bible study and my husband had said something and I immediately corrected him in front of everybody and really not in a very nice way. I could have done it differently or I could have even waited, but I corrected him. I made him look bad and it was very disrespectful. Okay. And afterwards, I didn't think anything of it. He never said a word. And I thought, okay, well, whatever, you know, I'm right. This is what's right. I'm right. 
Was I right? Yeah, I was right. But (laughs) the way and manner in which it was done wasn't that good. So fast forward a few days and I was preparing for my women's Bible study. And it just so happened that what I was on was Marion. Miriam, Miriam, Moses's sister, Aaron's sister. And I was studying about Miriam because we were going through, at this point, we're going through women in the Bible and what a godly woman looks like, right? And I was on the point of Miriam where she disrespected Moses and God gave her leprosy. And the Lord immediately spoke to me. And he said, and he said, Crystal, you disrespected your husband in front of other people. And I was distraught. I began repenting and crying. And I said, Lord, don't give me leprosy. I don't want to get leprosy. And so I went and I apologized to him. And he, at the time, I think he, he, he was like, thank you. He may not have remembered it very much because he was really tired back then. But I did that. And then I even apologized to the people that were at that Bible study with me and my husband and apologized to them and, and let them know that I had disrespected my husband and it wasn't right. It wasn't the proper thing to do. And one of the ladies broke, actually broke down crying and it really brought a lot of healing to her about something. And so I was like, well, praise God. I'm, I'm so glad my discipline from the Lord can help you. Okay. So don't get leprosy. Don't disrespect your husband. But folks, submission is a beautiful thing. Okay. When we submit, um, the Lord said it is fitting unto the Lord, right? So submission is unto the Lord. And so when, when we submit, then it's a glorious thing. It's a, a beautiful thing. So we really need to check our hearts in that. Okay. Uh, moving on here, he says, husbands love your wives. And I always thought it said, how come it doesn't say wives love your husbands? It just says, husbands, love your wives. In every other place, it says, love your wives. Women, submit to your husbands. Why, uh, uh, wives love your, hu- uh, uh, husbands love your wives. Wives submit to your husband. And I was thought, what happened to say wives love your husbands? But I, I think perhaps it's because the greater duty is put upon the man as the head to love his wife in an unselfish way. And the Bible makes it very, very clear that this marriage relationship and the husband's love for the wife then is a picture of Christ in his bride. So then there's a greater responsibility put on the man to love his wife. Okay. And men, now I'm going to talk to you, men, love seeks the best for your wife. You don't lord over her, okay? It's not a lording when, when that authority that you've been given, it's a, it's a love authority that is seeking what's best for your wife, okay? In Ephesians 5, 22, 33, we see this here. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself 
a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so it's a beautiful picture then of Christ's love for the bride. And, and, and I, I also say this a lot to married couples that this relationship, the husband and wife is the only place on this earth where it says the two become one flesh. We are not one flesh with our children. We are one flesh with our spouse. Okay. And this part where he says, be not bitter against them. And this means to turn love into a hatred for them. And so it, it has to do with ruling in a tyrannical manner. Okay. So it's not this, cause you know, I, and some men will say, you have to submit to me and, and I want you to do this. It's like this tyranny, right? Of do this. That's, that, that's what it, that's what this really literally means when not this bitterness against them. It's not, it's not, it's not ruling in a tyrannical manner or behaving towards them in a rude or mean spirited way, giving them either bitter words or abuse. Also, it has to do with denying them any affection, care, provision, protection, and assistance that the husband is supposed to provide for them, okay? And and so he says, when, when we do these things, men, when you don't love your wife the way that Christ has told you to love her, when you deny her that affection, when you deny her that care, when you deny her that provision, then... It is utterly brutish and unchristian and unbecoming of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Spurgeon said this, if a man doesn't treat his wife right, I don't want to hear him talk about his Christianity. <laughs> Let that sink in for a minute, okay, guys? You know, um, and, and, and as I was thinking about this, you know, Pastor Matt is really a great husband and father. Okay, and the Bible declares that there are strict qualifications for overseers. And if you look in First Timothy three one through five, it says, "This is the faithful saying: If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. That this this man then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospital, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who own, one who rules his own house." Well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the house of God? So when I think about this, men, you can look to godly men. You can look to my husband. You can look to Pastor Todd. You can look to Casey. You can look to Pastor Jay. You can look at these men and, and look to them of how to love your wife. We have men here. 
that actually love their wife in biblical ways. And so if you're struggling in that, folks, you can look to these men. I am telling you right now, I am loved and I am cherished. And he's not even here with me to hear me say this, okay? He tells me all the time that he loves me. He tells me I'm beautiful and I am secure in my relationship with him. I, he shows me that security. He shows me that affection. He shows me that um, pr- provision. I am respected by him and he demands the kids respect me. My kids do not respect me. Why? Because their dad would have none of it. He's never abused me. He's never spoken to me unkindly. Even in anger, he has watched his words. I I literally, as God is my witness, I cannot remember a time where he spoke unkindly to me. Oh, we've had heated arguments. We've gone back and forth. But we we don't use those things, right? Those words that you can't get back. And he has been patient with me and gracious in my mistakes. The way he loves and takes care of me makes it easy for me then to submit to him. Men. So if your wife's having a hard time submitting, maybe you're not loving, okay? Maybe you're not loving her. Now, it doesn't annul the woman's responsibility to submit still, okay? So you can get it out here, okay? Submission, for me, ladies, does not come naturally. Usually doesn't come naturally. You have to fight against it. If loving your wife doesn't come naturally, men, work hard at it. Pray at it, right? Ask God to help you in that. The next thing Paul goes into, he says, children, obey your parents. Now, what's interesting in the Greek here, okay, there's a different rendering of this word. It's children, obey your parents, because the wife submits herself to a guiding friend. So when it says wife, submit unto the husbands, the wife then is submitting herself in the Greek. It is as a guiding friend, okay? But the child then, when he's supposed to obey his parents, it's recognizing his parents and as a lawful commander. So there's a different set of uh, terms here used in the Greek language, okay? So the child then is to recognize the parent as a lawful commander, And disobedience, kids, to parents is always cited in scripture as a definite act of rebellion against God. Get your kids on here. Exodus 20, 12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. When we honor our parents, it says that we can have a long life. There's long life in honoring our parents. Exodus 21, 17, he who curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. Think about that one. That's Old Testament. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't know now that you'd be put to death, but there's something there. There's a spiritual principle. Okay. Children, there's a spiritual principle about honoring your parents and the life and abundant life that comes through honoring your mother and father. Deuteronomy 5.16 says, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, the thing about obedience is that children must be taught obedience because obedience does not come naturally. If your kid was born obedient, please come tell me how that happens, okay? Ephesians 6, 4 says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bringing them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So we then have to train them in the ways of God. Proverbs 29, 15 says, a rod and a reprimand impart wisdom, but a child left undisciplined disgraces his mother. Discipline is very biblical, okay? 
Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So this is going back to um, Abraham. As Abraham trained his children, right, in the ways of the Lord, in those paths of justice and judgment, which is the way that the children should go, okay? And this is the duty of all parents in all ages, even under the gospel dispensation. So not just Old Testament to train them, New Testament to train them, okay? So we are to bring these our children under uh, the nurture and admonition of the Lord by praying with them and for them, by bringing them under the means of grace, the ministry of the word of God, by instructing them in the principles of the gospel, by teaching them their duty to God and man, setting them good examples of a holy life and conversation. When I say good examples, right, we always say, do as I say, not as I do, and children, that does not respond very well. Children always see what we do, and they're going to follow our examples, okay? This is to be done according to their capacity. It means how they're able to receive it. Because in the, in, uh, in the Greek here, it means when it says train your children according to the mouth of his way, it means literally from an infancy that you're training them with each step according to what they can learn. Right? Because you want to, absolutely, you want to teach a toddler how to drive a car. Hopefully. I always use the word of God to teach my children things. Um, uh, and, and, and Pastor Matt has told this story before. I've probably told this story before too. I remember the first time that Gabe lied and he was about four years old. And, um, I turned to the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 21, and there's a, there's a portion in scripture there, and it says that all liars have their place in the lake of fire. And I read this portion to Gabe, and he began weeping and crying. And he was like, oh, I don't want to go, no. And I, I, and I showed him that, that, that God does not like lying. It's not for God's people, right? And so, uh, my son now, Ever since that I, I use the word of God to train him, and I've always used the word of God to train him, and I show what it says, and I say, this is what we do, God. We're, tr- we're This is what we do, Gabe. We're training you in the word of God. This is what we do, Faith. We're training you in the word of God. We're telling you what the word of God says. We're showing you what the word of God says, and we're leading you down that path of what the word of God says and tells us to go. You know, and my son is like honest to a fault. He's one of the kids, after that, he would come home and actually tell me when he did something. He's like, mom, I did this today. He'd always like would close his eyes. I don't know if you guys can see me that well, but he'd always like close his eyes because, you know, he couldn't look at me. He'd have to close his eyes and I did this today. (laughs) And and so Paul says, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Okay. It's well pleasing. That means this should be a sufficient reason then to train our kids in the ways of God because it pleases God. It pleases God, right? And so what pleases God then should be a pleasure to us. I had a side note here. Although the scripture speaks of younger children, notice that there's no age limit on honoring our mother and father. Okay? We should always honor our mother and father. Um, and if that has been a struggle for me as well. But I, I work hard at it of... of um, just loving on my mom and loving on my stepdad and, and, um, calling them when I think about it. And, you know, um, if you're, if you're in those strained relationships, finding ways just to honor your parents. Okay. Fathers, 
Provoke not your children. It means don't deal so harshly with them that they would get get discouraged from what you're trying to do in their lives, okay? It's like putting an impossible task before them. They, they, it, they become discouraged from putting an impossible task before him, okay? So there's a difference here between beating and spanking and discipline and punishment, right? Discipline is in order to produce that good character in, in our children. And we are called to discipline our kids, Okay, but then if you do such a strict punishment, that's just to shame them. You have to look at these two things of say, am I, am I trying to discipline them to bring out godly character or am I trying to punish them to shame them? Okay. We always hugged and loved on our kids more than we chastened them. That way that when we had to discipline them, they knew that we loved them. And we'd say, you know what? I love you. Like your parents always said, this is going to hurt you more or hurt me more than it hurts you. Right? Our parents used to say that to us. But we are called folks to discipline our kids. Hebrews 12, 6 and 8 says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So we know that God disciplines us. He shows us what it means to be a good father, to discipline his children. So he says, if you're my children, I must discipline you. So henceforth, as earthly parents then, if we're good earthly parents, we must discipline our kids, okay? So then Paul enters in this other part talking about servants, okay? And and this is a little bit different than what he's talking about here. But um, the... Uh, what, what, what probably was going on here was that during this time, if you read, um, the book of Philemon, it's about a runaway slave, um, named Onesimus, and he was a Colossian. And so he, um, was part of, Philemon was part of the Colossian church. And so this is included in this, okay? And, and I'm gonna just touch on this a little bit, um, the vast majority of servants of all kinds at this time in the Greek and Roman world were slaves. So then in most districts, the slaves were more numerous than the free population. Okay. These are just some facts for you of what was going on back then. And they were undoubtedly numerous in the early church. Okay. Um, God has never condoned slavery, not in the way that we might look at slavery, okay? The Jews were treated horribly for 400 years by the Egyptians. That Egyptian slavery was horrible, and that was never God's design, okay? That was never God's design. So when the Bible speaks of slavery, when the Bible speaks of these things, and there's there's scripture references talking about how to treat a servant, um, it's referring to indentured servants. This is the only one that God ever allowed was indentured servitude. So that a person then, if he owed somebody something, he could sell himself, his service, to the person to pay off a debt. Now, if you read your Bible... Please read your Bible that if he didn't pay off the debt or after seven years of service, he was to be released. And then, then, but if that servant, if that indentured servant, if he loved his master, then he would stay with him. He became a bond servant and he would serve him freely. Okay. So 
The gospel has always been welcome to the poor and oppressed. We see that in Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And there are certain requirements to receiving the blessings of God's kingdom. We must be guided by the ways and values of God revealed in scripture and not by the ways and values of this world. The first is to recognize that we are poor in spirit. We are not self-sufficient. That we ourselves of servants of God and bond servants of the Holy Spirit. That we need his life. We need his power um, and sustaining grace and order to inherit the kingdom of God. Because Paul knew this, he so identified with being a slave. He so identified with being a servant. And so when he wrote to Philemon, he said, I am sending Onesimus back to you in his own person, like I am sending my very own heart. He tells him that. He tells him to go back. And so this is written in here, right? Of servants, obey your masters, because Paul understood what it meant to be a servant of Christ. Okay? And Paul tackled the issue of Roman slavery by preaching the gospel. To advocate a direct movement to free the slaves, even the Christian slaves, would have destroyed the church at that time and the cause of Jesus in its beginning stages. Instead of direct confrontation, Paul appealed to Philemon. And if you think about why these things are in the Bible, why is this letter to Philemon in the Bible, okay? Because Paul is appealing to him to receive this slave back, not as a slave, but as a brother. Okay? He says, as a brother. So we can't look at American slavery and say that was Christian. That was never Christian. I don't care who ever told you that was true. It was horrible. It was like Egyptian slavery. And it's never been condoned by God. Never been condoned by God. He says, receive him as a brother. Paul, looking at himself, knowing the servitude that he's given himself for Christ, that he was a servant of Christ. And he says, he tells Onesimus, he says, go back, but not as a slave, go back as this man's brother. Receive him, not as a servant, but receive him as a brother in Christ. And so he was trying to break down those barriers, okay? Paul says, and he continues to say here, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. It's a continuation to the servants here to do everything without grumbling or complaining, to have a good heart to serve others, that what we do is unto the Lord and not to men. Knowing that the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. And he says, this is said for that uh, encouragement of the Christian service, who though we may receive little or nothing from our earthly and carnal masters, yet they shall be treated as children of the Lord, and by whom they will possess an eternal inheritance after their work and labor is over. But isn't that what we are all called to be, to be a servant? We are all called to be servants. 
Matthew 23, 11 says, but he who is greatest among you shall be called your servant. So we can't look at these things. This was, like I said, I, I, I like to tell you what was going on in society at that time. I like, and you need to understand that, um, servants were a part of the family at that time. That's why it's included in these things. But under Christ, we are all called to be servants. We're not free from that. Paul understanding this, Galatians 5.13, for you brethren have been called to liberty. So he says, yeah, you've been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for flesh, but through love then serve one another. So he says, you, you're you free, but make yourself a bondservant now. You're no longer indentured servant. You don't have to serve anybody. You're not indebted anymore. You've been released. But what I want you to do is I want you to make yourself a bond servant out of love for others, out of love for me, make yourself a bond servant to Christ. First Corinthians four, one and two says, let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. So now he says, let man consider us as servants. And if we're servants, we're going to be found faithful. Matthew twenty five forty one, and his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Folks, over and over again, we are called as servants. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. So he says, let this mind be in you, a bond servant mind. Galatians 1.10, for do not persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Remember, a bond servant has been freed and he now makes himself a servant. And so Paul ends this whole portion here and he says, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done and there is no partiality. And this is a common theme throughout scripture. It's a law of reaping and sowing. This is a universal law and it is binding as gravity. As sure enough that you are not going to fly off this earth. You're being held here by gravity. It is a law that you will reap whatever you sow. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows. That is what he will reap. Okay. So in light of all of this, he says, Go back. Wives, submit to your husbands. Remember, the wrongdoing that you do will be repaid to you. Men, love your wives. Go back to that statement again because this is what he's talking about. Who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. Children, obey your Lord, obey your parents. He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. Go back. Servants, obey your masters. 
Folks, we are all servants. We have one master, Jesus Christ, but we are servants of God and we are servants of each other. And he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. God said, I will not be mocked. Whatever you do, you will be repaid for. Friend, you better much more fear God and the consequences of persistent disobedience than you fear anything that this world may throw at you. Live and operate within the sphere that God has given you. Be content as a wife to honor her husband. Husbands, be content to love your wife and let us serve one another knowing that we serve as unto the Lord and not unto man. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the message. If you need to uh, uh, apply anything, then just take this time and, and apply it before the Lord. Let him speak to you, whatever he spoke to you today. If you need to repent anything, now is the perfect time. If you need to repent to your spouse, go repent to your spouse. If you need to repent to your children, repent to your children. If you need to repent to somebody for not serving them the way that you should have, then go repent to them. Make it right. Make it right. Right now. There's no partiality with God. Okay? We don't want to, we want to come back being found as a faithful servant of the Most High God. Second thing, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity to come to know Him. The Lord said that a man must be born again or he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That means that you must, being born again is being born of the Spirit of God. It means that you turn away from your old life and say, I, I don't want anything to do with that person I was. I want a new life in Christ. You repent of your sins and you say, Lord, receive me into your kingdom and ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And he will. The Lord is cl- close to all who call upon him. He is near. He will be found of everyone that calls upon him. If you need to call upon him tonight, just call upon him. Call upon him, repent of your sins. That means, that just means turn away from your past, turn towards the Lord. And he will make you a new creation in Jesus Christ. Father God, I just thank you for this word tonight, Lord. Let us apply it to our lives. Father, speak to us. Help us to live out your government in our homes and in our church our families. Lord, help us to honor you in everything that we do. Father God, we thank you and praise you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Before we're done, um, I I do want to say we are going to have the Zoom small groups. And so uh, immediately after service, we have Pam Hammerquest is immediately after service tonight. Brian Brackett is Thursday night at 6 p.m., Marcus Ford is Thursday at 7.30 p.m. Galia Ford is Thursday at 7 p.m. Brian Bateman is Saturday at 9 a.m. Casey Miorca Monday at 7 p.m. Megan Bearden, Monday at 7 p.m. Billy Bergen's Tuesday at 7 p.m. Um, if you have any questions, you can ask Pastor Todd um, for a group. Just a reminder, these are groups, men with men, women with women. So find your respective group. Okay.
Um, also, if you gave your life to the Lord tonight, we'd like to hear from you. Please contact us. Um, you can contact us on uh, Facebook, um, on our website. We'd just like to hear from you. We'd like to pray with you, give you some information. Also, church on Sunday, uh, we have parking lot service at 9 a.m. and online at 11. See you there.